Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up Mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit Grandma. She's getting up there. That's, like, a whole lifetime in seven days. And, like, one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 93. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. And Dave, I have a feeling this past weekend will be the last quiet weekend for quite some time with the Combine starting next weekend, NFL Free Agency not too long after that. And then, of course, on that road to Pro Days and the NFL Draft, this feels like the the calm before the storm. Yeah, exactly. And especially it's a, an exciting week with the combine firing up this week. We have uh, Jonathan Hightritter and Joe Clark headed out to Indianapolis uh, these next couple of days, and they'll be there all week. And you and I are obviously be doing our thing, watching it and uh, you know, reporting on it and tracking the the uh, the combine results so always an exciting time. Before we go any further, I got to uh, you know you're a big baseball fan. What do you think of uh, what's your thoughts on this pitch clock? I get it, and it seems like the results are working as intended in terms of some of these games being two and a half hours. But I don't mind a long baseball game. It's baseball. You're not expected that game to go fast. Like you know what you're signing up for when you go ahead and watch it. When I go to the when I go to PNC Park, I want to enjoy my time there for a couple hours, not have this speed run of a baseball game. So I understand why the uh, why the Major League Baseball, you know, commissioner and, and and they're doing that. But I'm OK with baseball being slow and kind of boring because that's what baseball is supposed to be. Uh, I watched uh, that first Pirates, a uh, little bit of that Pirates, first Pirates exhibition game and uh makes me nervous. <laughs> like, I don't know why, you know, you sit there, especially when you can see that thing out of the corner of your eye. It just, I don't know. It makes me nervous. I, I, I it's too early for me to uh, give really a, a, an educated opinion on it. I mean, I understand, I guess why they do it. feels like they should back it up about, I mean, add about five more seconds to it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, is that, is that set in stone that that's the time that they're going to use or can it be added to, or they're going to see how it goes during, during, uh, uh, the spring training and all, or what? I believe those are the rules for this year. Maybe they could change things. I'm not sure. There was one game, not a pirate scheme that ended on a walk-off umpire strike call for not being in the box. I don't know if you saw that it was some other major league game and the batter wasn't considered ready on a three, two count. Uh, two outs in the ninth, and that's how the game ended. So that's uh, a weird way to start things off. Okay, I thought I'd just take your temperature on that. Don't don't mean to turn this into Pirates Depot or anything. So, but uh, 
Boy, you had an exciting uh, Sunday night, right? The annual walk the mock uh, mock draft. That uh, how many years you done it now? Three, four, something like that. Three. And, uh, uh, what a turnout you had on the live stream there! I think uh, it, it it peaked over five hundred people online, and uh, uh, I was able to listen into most of it there and follow along with some of the comments. And I think we're going to lead the show off today with kind of going over uh, your results of that and kind of how that went, right? Yeah, for those who, that don't know, we talked about it some last week, and thank you to everyone who attended. It was a, a ton of fun. So Walk the Mock uh, puts on an annual draft each year for now three years that I've been involved with it, and there's you know 31 other real GMs working with me, and I'm drafting for the Steelers the first three rounds of the first four picks, and this year's draft for Pittsburgh, and you know, there's trade opportunities, and it's a it's a real life you know real time mock draft, and so. If you missed it, there's an archive version up on Steelers Depot. You can check out this morning. And Dave and I figured with the news still being pretty slow overall, we'd go over that, uh, the results here. And this was not just me picking, but also the chat, the people that did attend the live stream on YouTube certainly leaned on their input and kind of what they wanted. So this is not necessarily what I would do if I was working alone, but it's more fun to get people involved to interact. And so um, we'll talk about that. But again, check out Steelers Depot. It has the full archive version. And I got to say, Dave, I felt like at pick 17, the board did not break well for the Steelers in terms of all the top corners were gone. All the top tackles were gone. I kind of feel like I know it's early to to say these things so concretely, but I felt like this was an almost worst case scenario for Pittsburgh at 17. Let me ask you this, uh, though. Uh, now, obviously, I don't think there were any absentee owners uh, I know there were some teams in here that that uh, that that did have absentee owners, and I don't know if they set their board ahead of time or if it was just a computer pick or or, or, or what. But uh, when you go through these 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 first sixteen selections that were made before your first pick, it feels like a lot of them are going to, in some some form or fashion, go off the board. Obviously, in 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 that order. Where where were the surprises at? And and look, it's only late February. The combine hasn't happened, so you know it's hard to it's hard to pencil a lot of this in stone. I, I would guess that maybe the a- Anthony Richardson selection mm-hmm. to the Seahawks at uh, fifth overall was was maybe something that could be questioned a little bit there. And uh, I don't know, Lucas Van Ness. I don't know what you thought about that pick at. Uh, at, at, at 12th overall to the Texans. But other than that, what, what came off the board? Maybe that, that surprised you a little bit. I think those are the picks. Now, CJ Stroud went first overall, the Colts traded up with Chicago and didn't know what quarterback they were going to take, but, but landed on, on, on CJ Stroud there to see miles Murphy fall a bit. He went 16th overall to Washington. So one spot ahead of Pittsburgh, Van Ness, Richardson, as you mentioned, maybe the surprises, but yeah, the names that came off the board, Devon Witherspoon went six, Christian Gonzalez went seven, uh, Skaronsky went 13 to the Jets, Broderick Jones 14 to New England, Paris Johnson 11th to Tennessee, all the names that we were eyeing, Joey Porter Jr. 10 to Philadelphia. Um, so again, it really felt like the things that I had the particular interest in you know, offensive tackle, cornerback, because of the strength of those groups were gone by the time it was our turn to pick. How how realistic do you think 
uh, it will be to have guys like Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones uh, come off the board before I 17. I think it's pretty realistic. My hope is at least one of those names can slip and fall. And my hope was because all the quarterbacks were going to go early, it would push some of these names down. And it did, but not quite the 17. Uh, when you have the four quarterbacks going there in Stroud, Young, Richardson, and Will Levis from Kentucky. So that was the hope. It didn't quite uh, turn out that way. I guess I should mention who we actually took at 17. And that was, again, the chat, uh, my, my you know YouTube scouts helping me here and a very conventional pick in Jordan Addison from USC to reunite him with Kenny Pickett. There was a big push for that. So the pick really came down to Addison versus Brian Branch, the versatile DB from Alabama, and then some commentary on, and you heard me last night. I'm still struggling to, to get it straight in my head, but Brian Brzee, is, it, is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, Brzee. Yeah. Brzee, um, debating about him as well, and ultimately – the chat seemed to to want to go Addison. If it if it did break the way that it broke, uh, which obviously it won't break exactly like that. But I mean, if 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 the top three corners are off the board, and if those top was it three tackles uh, are 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 off the board, does it feel like it 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 realistically could come down to a Brian Branch, a Jordan Addison, or Brian? Sure, I think all those names are realistic. They all have some level of sense and value. I think in terms of defense line, to me, is still the biggest need for Pittsburgh as we sit here today. And what you kind of find out when you do this draft is this defense line class is not very strong. There aren't a lot of great names that may compel the Steelers in real life to to look more towards for agency. And it could create potentially some increased level of urgency in re-signing a guy like Larry Ogunjobi because the D-line group overall, in terms of guys that fit, there are some, but there aren't many, and that's a concern. Um, so, yeah, I think that there was a, a realistic element to this draft. And let's see. Uh, Addison was the second wide receiver off the board after Quentin Johnston, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly here. What way it had this... What way would you have gone right here if you ignored your your mm-hmm. your 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 YouTube scouts with you? It's a really good question. There wasn't one name I personally had my heart set on. I would not have taken Jordan Addison. I don't see that top end first round guy. I don't think the uh, class is overwhelmingly strong at the top. I do like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't know again if I would pull the trigger at seventeen. You know, Brian Branch might be pretty attractive just based on how the board fell. But I'll be honest, there wasn't really one name that was sticking out to me. Again, I think the board kind of broke poorly. If anything, I think there was a trade off where I got to go down. I think trading down would have been a prime opportunity sitting there at 17, not having a lot of great options to me on the board. It feels like feels like Brian Branch then would have been the way that you would have went. Personally, if, you, if I had to stay at 17, I think so. Now, is that an ideal selection for me? Maybe not. Um, but I think from a value standpoint, versatility standpoint, where where would you have gone if you were in my shoes based on how that board broke the first 16 picks? Where I'm would you have leaned? I'm still trying to get a 
a, a, a good feel on, on Brian Brissy. I, I, I know they, I think they like them, like him. I think, uh, if he, if he, uh, shows out well, the combine and all, he is a guy they going, and I don't want to jump too far ahead here because he, he went much later in the, in, in the first round there. But, uh, to me, the way this thing broke, it feels like the choices to make other than trading down would have been Branch, Addison, and Brzee, quite honestly. Now, some would have said Osiris Torrance as well. Someone wanted to go O-line heavy at the top. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I suppose. Uh, I don't know. You know guards... And, and him particular from what I've seen, I mean, I suppose you could add him to, 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 to the list and make it four long with him in there. Yeah. He went the next pick. Now I'm not as crazy about him probably as others, but you know, a name that that's worth mentioning branch, I guess the big thing is, and I, I haven't gone deep into him yet either, but I mean, he is a versatile guy. He is at least a guy that you could probably work out and depending on what, what happens obviously with guys like Casey and, 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 and all in free agency and obviously, uh, Cam Sutton, but I mean, even if Cam Sutton's re-signed, this team still needs to get a corner, you know, early-ish in, 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 in this draft. Uh, but he is a guy that you could quite possibly work right in, you know, day one in some packages, right? Sure. The question is exactly what's your plan for him? Where do you play him? Where does he best fit? So you gotta you gotta be able to answer those things if you're gonna take a guy like Brian Branch at 17. Kenny Pickett would be on your side. He'd be banging the table for Jordan <laughs> Add- Addison here, uh, according to, to to what he has said in the past. So, uh, who 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 would have the best chance to have fallen? Do you think, uh, based on this thing, the way this thing worked out, that you would have ran the card up on? Would you have it's- run the card up on Joey Porter Jr.? I, I don't know if I would have run, but probably a good power walk. I think he would have been the guy. Had, had any of those cornerbacks fallen, had any of those top tackles fallen, and, I, and I'm a bigger supporter of Dan Moore than most, but it is hard to ignore maybe a top-end type tackle if they can can work their way to 17. So, um, again, I just think you know the board wasn't, wasn't great for Pittsburgh, and there is value in Addison. He can play in the slot, day one guy, and you want to give your quarterback as many weapons, as much firepower, as possible. Um, Addison can work in some of the, you know, receiver run game and some of the space RPO game that Matt Canada does. There's already good chemistry there and make your quarterback happy, make your offense better. This offense has to score more points. We know that they've been in the twenties and scoring offense the last two years. That's not going to be acceptable. Not going to work. You got to compete against some of these really high powered, high octane offenses. So the more firepower you can add, uh, the better, you know, I, I wanted to go more trench heavy in this draft than I did, but again, the board just never broke for me all that well. Okay. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah spoke Calvis annual, uh, pre combine, uh, media conference call at the end of last week. We all listened in on that and all, and, you know, he sounds pretty confident like, uh, that, that, that at least two of the top corners in, in Witherspoon and Gonzalez will be off the board more than likely come 17, obviously don't write anything down, you know, in stone and all this things change, obviously. And he kind of hedged, I think, towards Joey Porter Jr. uh, being off the board as well, too. Is that kind of what you feel uh, this early in the process? 
I do. I was watching a lot of corners this weekend, trying to catch up a bit on Gonzalez on Witherspoon. And I'm a big fan of Christian Gonzalez. I think he's the top corner in this class. The press ability, ability to carry things vertically, play the ball in the air, you know, a decent tackler, good size, really strong man coverage type corner. I doubt he's going to be there at 17. Witherspoon, probably same story. Porter, we'll have to see. Would Michael Mayer at all be in consideration there? It just depends on what you want to be as an offense. If you want to become a heavy 12 personnel type team like Cleveland, like Baltimore, then sure. An all-around tight end like Michael Mayer would make a lot of sense. But if you're going to be your typical base 11 personnel type offense, the way it's been for the last 10, 15 years, then you can't justify the selection. So it just depends on what kind of offense you want to run. All right. Anything else uh, you want to talk about? Boy, this, it get, you know, it's, it's sad that they still had some absentee owners in this thing. Uh, but I, I think the reality of, man, this thing fans out real quick, doesn't it? What do you mean by by? Fans I mean, out? it just oh man, uh, you know, it it, it, it gets by, by the by the time you second round pick rolled around, it was like wow. Uh, I really thought Brzee. I, I I guess what I'm getting at. Well, one thing I want to uh, address here is is Brian uh, Brzee ended up going 29th overall in the first round to the Saints, and if if memory serves me, that was a computer generated pick. It'd be. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to know if they had had him entered in there, or was this just they didn't have they couldn't find an owner and and the machine just picked. Uh, because correct me if I'm wrong, according to the way that board was stacked in in the computer, there he was the the best available according to their rankings on the board. Come that pick, I believe so. Yeah, there were just a handful of teams that weren't represented by an actual person. They couldn't fill those slots. I believe there were three, the Saints, the Giants, and the Rams, um, probably because the Rams had no picks and no one wanted to actually do that job and sit there for half the time doing nothing. Uh, so that's what happened there. But yeah, the, again, Brzee is going to be one of those, as as Daniel Jeremiah talked about. I think Jonathan Heitrader is the, the person that asked the question about him uh, during that Friday conference call. He's going to be one of those polarizing guys. And for Pittsburgh, there's a need there. There's a talent. I think he'll have a good combine workout, assuming he is working. But the production is so light. I mean, when I, I know it's it's hard to play the Blues Clues uh, as easily as the past under Con and Wido. But when was the last time Pittsburgh took a first-round guy that had such light production in the first round uh, the way that Brzee does? Right. And I, I'm, I'm coming a little bit more to a the conclusion here that he might be more in line with what they would want to do at two one. Yeah. A little less risk, I guess a little less, he's not going to be the face of the class, which, which might help. But then the question is, does he actually get all the way down there? Given the lack of depth at D line, you got Jalen Carter at the top. He's a no worse than the top five selection. And then it's, it's Brzee. And beyond that, it gets, gets a bit tough. Man, it's it's uh it it does uh there it I, you know you kind of harken back to to it several several years ago right remember a lot I I I know it's kind of hard to remember that far back but there was a lot of talk I think early early in the process that to it was a guy that was going to go uh first round. But then wasn't there a, a knee or an ankle? Hernia. Or, he had a hernia. A hernia. A hernia. And then that caused him 
Uh, and then obviously the Steelers got him. Where did they get him specifically in the second round? Midway, I can check the actual pick, but I mean, he was more productive in college sure. than, than uh, Brzee was, but to it went 46th overall. So that would have been, okay. yeah, 14, uh, 15 yeah, picks yeah. in the second round, midway through. But uh, in, 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 in the real world, from where you sit right now, what are the chances of Brzee, do you think, being on the board at 2 at, 1? At I mean, we'll see how he looks at the combine. It'll be big for him for the medical, for the the on field testing, the workout. So it's a little hard for me to say. Okay, uh, I think they're going to like every aspect of him, other than you know the production. I just think that seventeenth overall might be too rich for him at at this point. And I think the hope for the Steelers would be that he slides to two one, but he didn't, and. You ended up going the, I think, the best available tackle on the board at that point. Yeah, it went Darnell Wright. So with the 32nd pick overall in the 2023 NFL draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers take Darnell Wright, the offensive lineman out of Tennessee. Question is, where do you want to play him? Which is a very interesting and, and worthwhile question. He's played, you know, left tackle, right tackle, right guard. In His college. best tapes at right tackle. Yeah, that's probably a good place. And so in theory, you know, if he is he, he compete for that starting job, then do you want to move a core four over to compete with more or have more just become the de facto backup? There's a lot of question marks to be had there, but Wright has that size, maybe lacks that great nasty that you would want in a guy of his frame. Um, obviously there's a bit of you know stiffness and tightness to his game, and I worry about him at a right tackle consistently dealing with some of these speed guys, but I think he does have pretty light feet for his size and um, is going to be that real investment in the O-line that's been ignored for far too long. I mean, he's obviously played quite a bit on the left side before moving to the right side this past season. Uh, Staple on the left side, not not all that impressive at all. Uh, but right side, especially as a run blocker, looked fine. Uh, you just wonder if he can hold up. You know, against some of the better pass rushers. Although I think he 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 represented himself pretty good against Will Anderson. Uh, out of out of Alabama uh, when he's faced him, but uh, you know what what would the plan be with uh, him at two one? Yeah, the good news is I could stop after turning in the card. I don't have to worry about those things too much because it is an interesting discussion. I don't know if there's a clear roadmap for how it would look. Um, yeah, there was a report, and this is just kind of doing the real world stuff for a moment about a month ago that the Steelers were considering right at guard. I would ideally want to play him at left guard. I know he hasn't played there before, but this guy has moved around quite a bit. He's played on the left side. I don't know if it would be all that foreign to him. So for me personally, I would try to make him a left guard. Okay. I, I would agree with that assessment from what I've seen so far. Uh, I, I kind of wonder if he might be better kicked inside. I mean, you can move him to right guard, but then James Daniels moves to left guard and he's played left guard before, but I think, you like to keep guys in place. As we talk about, right. you don't want to move two guys for one guy, you know, make, make multiple moves to, to, to make one guy fit. So interesting discussion there. I do like what I like about Wright quite a bit is his, his compete level. I mean, playing in the SEC started played like 1300 snaps in the SEC had, like you said, a good game against Will Anderson from Alabama, one of the top defensive players, one of the top prospects in this class. Uh, even at the senior bowl, he had some you know negative reps the one day against Will McDonald, talked about how the things he's got to work on and get better the next day of practice, he was better against McDonald. So 
Just like his compete, like his feet, the size. And again, this team was not drafted in the top two rounds in offensive or defensive alignment since 2012. Last time they took an offensive or defensive lineman in the top two two rounds. That has to that has to end. What would have been your other options here? Were you on? Uh, and obviously, once again, you I mean, you do this to, to you know, to, to generate the discussion in the chat and, you know, let people participate and all uh, in a perfect world. Had you made this pick, which way were you leaning? Honestly, probably John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, okay. who I've talked about quite a bit. But I do like changing up the names and not me talking about the same guys over and over and over again. But I think he would be a really strong fit, a left guard whereas right might be a bit more of a projection there. Okay. All right. And I know the right's played guard, but I just, I don't know, something about Schmitz's game, the better foot speed, better athlete. I like him better there at left guard. Okay. Uh, I I would tend to, uh, anybody else in, in the in, in your head, in the conversation in there, DeWan I Jones mean, or? Yeah, this DeWan Jones, and that's a similar story as right. I don't know if Jones is going to, Jones wouldn't kick inside though. I think he's, that no. that's too tall. He's 6'8". Wright's already kind of pushing it at probably 6'5 and a half, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, Jones is going to be a right tackle for sure in the NFL. Uh, beyond that, I mean, there's Siaki Ika, the big nose tackle from Baylor. You know, you could have considered there. Kalijah Kansi was still on the board out of pit, but I just think schematically the fit isn't there with, with the Steelers. Um, you know, Derek Hall, I do like a lot, but I thought Edge was maybe just not the right time for that. Um, a little too early for Avilia. I don't know if it's too early. I think you, you could justify that if you really liked the guy and he ended up going before our next pick. Okay. All right. With the next pick, though, I'm really happy um, with this one overall. In let me make sure I'm getting my, my place here. Emmanuel Forbes in with our original pick in the second round. So 49th overall. I did not did not think he was going to fall at all because we were waiting about 10, 15 picks to, to target him to see if he was going to uh, make it to Pittsburgh. And he did. And I think that's a really strong value pick on the outside. Um, you know, he's, maybe he's not the, the biggest frame, but he's got some size and some length and an SEC type competition. So I thought, you know, that was maybe our, our best value pick in the draft to get Emmanuel Forbes at 49. All right. I know our uh, Chandler Stroud has broken him down. I haven't really gone into anything on him. Have you, have you studied him? Not as much as Chandler has. I'll I'll pull up Chandler's profile that he did earlier this month. Um, Yeah. He's a pretty long guy. He's not quite as heavy as Martin Emerson, but there's kind of a, uh, similar style to his game to him. And Chandler talked about he plays bigger than his size overall, his smartness, um, good tackler, six picks. I mean, ball skills are there. You see a lot of those attractive man coverage traits. And the negatives weren't all that, you know, overwhelmingly poor. Guy's still only 21, so room to grow. Really feels like a guy Pittsburgh would truly be interested in. Yeah, that feels like that could potentially happen there yeah now that may be more to me personally of a 32 thing than a 49 thing in real life but you know it's, it's hard to say for sure all right uh he's someone i need to dive deeper into his tape on uh there any chance a guy like Derek call falls a little bit further to you there i mean i think if you're going to take him you're going to take him at 49 he's not going to get to 80 i don't think um in this draft he went where did Derek call go in the second round somewhere he went uh, a couple picks before us. He went around, I don't know, 40, 
344. So that sounds about right for him. Why is Bergeron? Why did Bergeron? What? Why is Bergeron? Fought, you know that far down. Um, yeah, I don't know uh, if he's a great Syracuse. athlete. Yeah, the the, the the strong tackles at the top maybe you know create he, lesser of a need. Could, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He's another one that there's some talk. You know, is he going to be a tackle or is he going to yeah. be a guard? Right. Yeah, there's questions about the overall frame and size, and is he going to truly be a left tackle? And could he kick inside? So I think those combination of factors kicks him down a bit. All right. Who else maybe were you considering there at 218? Honestly, it was pretty clear about Forbes because the value was so strong. So I don't know if there was one other name that really stuck out. Whenever he fell into our laps, I kind of sat there and said, this is a, a no-brainer type pick. Okay. And then with the final pick here in the third round at 80th overall, a guy that I frankly didn't know a ton about. I was, again, you know, getting the uh, YouTube chat involved and, and leaning on them. but. Uh, Jervin Dexter, the defensive lineman from Florida, and try to finally add some defensive line help. It was him or Zach Pickens was going to be the selection there. Jack Campbell had just gone off the board, so that was one guy we were considering an off-ball linebacker. He was no longer an option, and Dexter's a guy that basically the story on him is, and I watched a little bit of him last night after the the mock draft was over, um, toolsy, athletic, good size, five-tech type of guy, strong athlete, but still pretty raw unrefined and has a, a lot of room to grow in his game, technically speaking. Yeah, that's what I found. He's one, one of the guys when I uh, had the senior ball, when uh, you're starting to look at, 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 you know, try to match at least from a measurable standpoint, some of these defensive linemen that the Steelers might have interest in based on what they've done in the past. He's one that obviously uh, jumps off from, from that aspect. So I watched some of him as well too. And, and, uh, I didn't come away with, with the feeling that he's going to be a guy that, that, that you're going to plug and play right out of the shoot there. Yeah. And that is a concern because Pittsburgh might need a more refined guy to give you snaps right away, depending on what happens. Now, again, this doesn't take into consideration this mock draft about what you could potentially do in free agency. Obviously we're drafting a bit earlier this year than we have in past years. So it's happening before the combine before free agency. There's less information about the team, a little less information about these players overall. So you're kind of working on that a little bit. But again, it goes back to this defensive line class is not that strong overall at the top or depth throughout. And, you know, if I'm Pittsburgh, you're considering those things when you're mapping out your free agency plan of attack. And it may really compel this team to to address the D-line through free agency because to me, it's really hard to bank on the draft filling all those needs. And who, you know, and, and we talked about this, uh, I think, last week as well, too, with guys like Payne and uh, the, the guy over in Minnesota not looking like they're going to hit, uh, potentially not hit free agency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How far does that jump up Larry Joby on the list? And, you know, might you have to. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Pay a little bit more to 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 retain him. Yeah, I mean, you have to ask yourself, is he worth it first? And there are some other free agency options out there, assuming some of these guys get there. Kaminsky. Yeah, Kaminsky. Um, is he going to really truly be more of an interior guy there? Is he more of an edge guy? I don't know if the size, you know, just to play next to Cam Hayward or take on Ogunjobi's role, do you think he could do that? 
Yeah, they, I mean, I'd have to go deeper into watching some of his stuff last year, but I mean, we both agreed that last year when he was available, he should have been a guy that they considered. They could have had him for cheap, sure. too. Oh, yeah. yeah you know? He was a kid been a waiver claim, right? Wasn't he right. just waived or something? Yeah. So I, the names, I'll give you the quick names, and I'm going to have my free agency wish list probably in a week from now, and nothing final here, but the names I kind of came across that, that hit me as potential D-line fits, Matthew Ioannidis, Always been a fan of his game, run stuffer, Temple Tough kind of guy. And Ashawn Robinson has kind of been that classic thumper against the run as well. To me, are two pretty strong names that won't it'll cost something, but won't break the bank. They could give you some really strong run defense. Going to be interesting to see what happens with, with and, and, and at least that will set the table uh, here in the next couple of weeks ahead of the draft, right? You know, uh, if if Ogan Joby goes out the door, I mean, even if they re-sign Ogan Joby, that's realistically more of a one-year band-aid, right? Probably, and then depth behind is still questionable with Warmly with the ACL, and do you trust Latimer to be that rotational guy? And you know, what is Liao's exact fit and role and jump that he can make? Again, I think he can offer you something as a pass rusher, but he's still pretty raw there. His pass rush production was light as a rookie despite more opportunities than I think anyone thought he was going to get. So there's still questions even if you have you can't just have two starters. You gotta have your nose tackle, you gotta have depth, rotational guys. Um, you know, th- there's more to it than just resign Ogan Joby and call it a day. Uh ahead of the senior bowl Benton was a guy that 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 you made sure to profile right out of the shoot there uh since since the, the senior bowl and obviously uh, he's a guy that 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 seems is where did he go in this uh Arizona traded up for him uh, somewhere in the third round, I believe it was. Okay. Does that, that, to me, that feels about right for him somewhere in the third. Yeah, I'm trying to see exactly where that was. Oh, it was 3-1. Oh, right at the top of the, the third round. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. All right. But, uh, if, if you're Pittsburgh, you're kind of in that in-between. Do you take him at 49? Because you don't think you're going to get him at 80. So right. it's kind of that in-between hop there with Keanu Ben. Right. I think the reality of this, I think one of the main takeaways from, from you doing this was indeed the fact that, man, defensive line that 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 the Steelers like, you know, uh, thins out quick. It does. Now, Dexter is a guy that you're still able to grab. Um and we could have taken, you know, we could have taken Brze at seventeen if we wanted to, and and you know, taken our shot there. But I think what Pittsburgh looks for, the body type is scarce to begin with, and this class is not going to support it a lot. Should mention just a tweet coming in since we're talking draft from Mike Garofalo says the Boise State safety JL Skinner tore his pec on Friday. Oh, he'll have no. a surgery next week. Obviously, he'll be at the combine to interview, but obviously no drills for him. So Skinner, a guy at the Senior Bowl, big long box safety type with good production overall. Um, unfortunate inj- injury for him. Mm. Okay. And he went somewhere in this draft in this mock we did last night. I forget exactly where it looks like about third round, mid third round jail Skinner went. So, you know, hopefully he can get ready and you know, make it back for rookie mini camp. I don't know what the prognosis is on that, but it'll be a, a battle for him. Right. Absolutely. All right. I- so yeah. What are your thoughts overall? I mean, what would you have done anything differently if you were in the driver's seat of these picks? Again, again, just to recap the selections that we made, if I can pull it up here, Jordan Addison, Darnell Wright, Emmanuel Forbes, and uh, Jervin Dexter, the four picks for Pittsburgh. Uh, 
Well, look, I mean, I, I think we both agree that that the first 16 picks didn't break ideally for you mm. uh, there. And you were either going, I, I feel your selection choices were, were Addison there, uh, Brian Branch, or you, it, w- it would be labeled this early as a huge reach had you taken Brzee there. But I think those were the three names that, that, you know, you, you, you know, you probably have to really, really circle there, uh, in round two, uh, where did, where did Cody mock end up going at? Man, I, yeah. And I, and I, you know, in the, in the second pick there, I I'm just not as high on right as most, I don't think. And I, I, I get a feeling that you're not either. Yeah. I have just questions about his strengths and his overall fit. So you know, even though it was me drafting, would I have taken Addison at 17 and right at 32? Probably not. But, you know, it's it's for fun. And sure. Uh, it's, I mean, know, th- it's, there's I mean, th- this is an exercise. So yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here. And, and, and I know a lot of people were clamoring for you to get a linebacker there. Sure. Uh, I wanted one. Yeah. Uh, an inside linebacker, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Drew Sanders, we talked about a lot and Trenton Simpson. Um, yeah, we didn't come away with an, in, an inside linebacker. So, again, what does that group look like? I don't know, but I, I think I would have been more the way this thing ended up falling. I, I think I've been more inclined maybe to take John Michael Schmitz there at, at, at two, one. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it makes you realize though, still a lot of holes to address. Mm-hmm. I mean, inside linebacker D line, uh, safety, you know, I think it really, I think this team has to resign Terrell Edmonds, you know, regardless of what the, the value is, the safety class in the draft is poor. You really want to go, go with a free agent outside option. I think you got to resign Edmonds at the least. I think, and, and, and having not watched hardly anything of Emmanuel Forbes at, outside of maybe some, some highlight, you know, some brief highlight stuff and all like that. I, I think probably based on, on the picks that you made in this thing and the way the board fell, it really feels like Emmanuel Forbes at two eighteen was your best pick. I think so too. Yeah, I, I was shocked to see him fall. That's a guy that legitimately could go the back end of the first round. So to get him at forty nine to me was a big win. Okay. Uh, uh you know, guy, a guy like Cody Mock, you wonder wh- where you could fit. I, you know, uh, I my feeling right now, we'll see. Obviously, a, a lot can happen. Is I think the Steelers like their tackles better, their starting tackles better than everybody else does. Yeah, we'll find out here pretty quickly what this team thinks. Again, it is a partially new regime. Um, yeah, it'll be one of those things we'll be watching for. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to add uh, coming out of this? No, a lot of fun. We'll do another one of these because this one was done so early in the uh, NFL calendar. So we'll do one in April after the bulk of free agency. And you know, we kind of know a bit more and you know, we'll have something for, for you guys there. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. I really thank everybody that came out and spent a Sunday night with me, listening to me talk for almost three hours. It was, I don't know uh, how you it did it. You, you, you had the excitement all the way through and then you tried to do the Bobo trades at the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to get another pick on there. And, uh, I, 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 I found that amusing there at the end of there, you trying to, trying to continuously, uh, trade up with some of these franchises into the, uh, back end of the, or a bottom half of the third round. Yeah, we tried to get back in after our last pick there with Dexter just to, to see if we can make one more pick, but no one wanted the future picks because they're worth nothing in a, in a mock draft exercise like that. But uh, 
I don't know. It was it was cool. The other GMs were were fantastic. Some good trade offers. They were even trading players, which you know was another a little fun aside thing. Like DeAndre Hopkins was mythically you know quote unquote traded in this draft, and so it was a lot of fun. What was the? I know you received a couple of trade or offers early. Wasn't there one from the Colts that probably a how how did you look at a trade value chart on on that? And uh, if you had to do it all over again, would you have accepted that trade offer? I yeah, I forget. Colts, it, I got offers from the Colts and the Lions. One was something like picking up a pair of mid-round, second-round picks for 32 and 49, which I thought had some attractiveness to it. The Colts also, I think, sent an offer. I forget what it was. But, you know, we'll see if this team trades that. The board does. I'll tell you what, Dave. The board breaks the way that it breaks. Uh, it, if it breaks in real life the way that it broke last night for us, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm probably moving down, trying to get something and kind of waiting this thing out because I felt like with those tackles, those corners gone, the options weren't that inspiring for Pittsburgh at 17. Man, if you could trade down five spots, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just pick up, I don't know, a third or something like that. Because again, there are so many needs for this team and understanding for agency is going to plug some of that, but inside linebacker, better defensive line um, work, maybe another offensive lineman. Uh, it it, it kind of really opened my eyes. All right. Good job. Uh, I think you uh, entertained the masses as well, too. Yeah, I hope so. That was, you know, it's always the intent is make it fun. And then, you know, we'll talk about football kind of, you know, alongside that. So uh, we'll do one more, like I said, in April and appreciate everybody that turned out. And again, if you want to, you know, if you missed it and you're not really entirely sure what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, uh, you can see an archive version of it on Steelers Depot. Just search my name or just search Walk the Mock or um, anything like that. And you will see it. So. Dave, with the combine starting up, that's going to be what's the first day of on field workouts? Thursday, I believe. First day of on field workouts. Yeah, it's later on in the week. Obviously, they're they're getting in town now. I know Kevin or not Kevin Colbert, uh, Omar Khan speaks on Tuesday morning, and that'll be a big deal, uh, obviously. And then we'll get into kind of the weigh in stuff as the week goes on, and obviously uh, the uh, the uh, the the interviews uh, from the players will be entertaining. Find out who's meeting with who, who's formal, informal meetings, and all like that. But uh, uh, obviously, later on in the week is when the on-field stuff, and I think all that carries over into is it Sunday or Monday? I think. Through Sunday, I believe. Yeah. If you could ask, and we're going to have Jonathan Heitrider and Joe Clark on site at Indy this year. If you could ask Omar Khan one question, and hopefully one of those guys gets to uh, ask something to Khan tomorrow, what would you ask Omar Khan? Yeah. And it would have to be the, the, the question phrased correctly i think to get any any type of usable answer but i want to know about what what the uh what the organizational uh viewpoint and plan is for demarvin leal yeah me too i just want to know what they consider him it's such an important you know key to what they consider their d-line depth to be what their options are i i think they're going to move him back to full-time d-line the way that they intended when they drafted him and the way that they played him prior to tj watts injury i think that was their intent coming out and they're going to go back to that. That's my guess. Okay. And if that is indeed the case and if they think he can be a 700 snap guy there, then how much and and do it successfully, you know, how, how much does that lighten the load maybe for a defensive lineman in the first couple of rounds? In their eyes, it probably changes the equation some, but what happens with Oak and Joby? You know, that's going to be a, a consideration. If he leaves, to me, there's still a need. You want Leal to come in there and replace that role automatically and, and fully might be asking a lot. So 
yeah, it's it's to me one of the biggest questions that I can't answer in terms of what the roster looks like next year. Okay. But I, I would like to hear him comment on him. And, you know, it's understandable why they had to use him the way they had to use him last year. And obviously it was interrupted. His rookie season was interrupted by, by a knee issue there for a couple of games on top of it there. So uh, I think that would be top on my list. What about you? Yeah, I think that would be up there for me as well. Um, I don't know what else immediately comes to mind. You know, just some of the questions about analytics and just maybe how that may, may change. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what all he's asked. Uh, you think uh, he'll? You think he'll give a rundown at the top sort of way Kevin Colbert used to do about this? This class yeah. is deep at this position and not so deep at this position. Uh, that kind of thing. There, I guess the other thing I and he's not gonna. He wouldn't give give you an answer. Uh, he'd probably dance around it about, uh, you know, I, I, I would like, I, I would throw back at him what uh, Art Rooney II said about Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. several weeks ago about uh, uh, Art in so many words saying he foresees Mitch Trubisky being on this 2023 roster. Uh, I, I would throw those comments back at him and say, does that, is that still the plan? Yeah, I think that's from a non-draft perspective. I think that's the the other big question you want to ask him is, what are your thoughts about Trubisky? Do you expect him to be a stealer? And he'd probably give, as you said, kind of a, a non-answer to that. But that's a question that I think has to be asked, given the pretty strong comments that Art Rooney made. Right. So, yeah, Omar Khan speaking tomorrow. We'll be there to cover that both in person and, of course, on the site. Anything else combine-wise you want to look forward to? Um, has your... Do you value the combine more than you have in the past? Do you value it less? Has it been unchanged in terms of what you personally get get out of the combine, Dave? I love it. I love every <laughs> every last single bit of it. Uh, and I hope it never goes away in the form that it is uh, now. I, you know, obviously, some of this stuff they don't run hardly. Run, you know, hardly anybody runs the the sixty shuttle, right? You know, and that and that's certainly understandable. But I love metrics. I love RAS scores. Uh, I love Peace Park. <laughs> I love <laughs> all that stuff when it comes. I, I like it from the fact that, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's not new, it's just from the aspect of, okay, man, look, look at, look at what he did in this, uh, in, in, in the 20 yard shuttle. Let's go find that on tape, you know? Mm-hmm. Can, can I see that on tape? What, what did I miss in some of the, 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 the athletic profile aspect of it that I want to go see on tape? You know, uh, it's, it's more about, uh, and look, I mean, uh, it goes without saying too. I mean, the, you know, every, every off season you do the Alex Kazora, what they look for, uh, studies, and we'll see how much, how far away, maybe the students get away from that, uh, this year, It'll definitely be a learning process with, 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 without Kevin Colbert running this thing now, but I have a feeling that they're going to stick to a lot of these things. So it, 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 to have the truer measurables, uh, for, and especially those that do the on the field stuff to have that kind of data, and go in and kind of whittle, I, you know, I use it to whittle this down, you know, yeah. um, more than anything. Now, obviously if we had the access to the, to the stuff that they got that, that, that the scouts have year round and the measurables and the, you know, all that, you know, and, and obviously the tape, you know, any, any game that you wanted to choose from to go, go look, it would make the job a lot easier, but we almost have to reverse engineer this. At least I do to some degree, uh, 
you know, because of that. So I, I love the measurable and the on the field stuff and, and watching them go through, you know, uh, the DBs go through these turn drills and, and those kind of, I, I love every aspect of it. I don't know about you. I do too. I used to be somebody that downplayed some of the on-field testing in the old, you know, trite cliche of the combine is most valuable for the interview and the medical. And it certainly is still valuable for, for both of those things. But I really think the on-field testing does matter, especially as analytics have become, I think, more refined, more focused, and certainly more accepted by the NFL. You can really use some of these numbers to create some of those benchmarks for players, the way that you can use arm length to create a benchmark for for a player in terms of the RES score that we both love so much, the P-Spark score. Um, I mentioned my terrible take today is basically on the topic about you know the correlation between the best 20-yard shuttle times and really good offensive linemen. There's a very strong correlation there. Um, same with three cone times and pass rushers, the way that you can kind of create marks of, let's say, an RES score, some other similar metric and say that, you know, 90 percent of Pro Bowl receivers have X athleticism scores and you can really create cutoffs um, in that sense. That I think are really valuable to to try to sift through all the names and all the data. So I think even though, you know, in a vacuum, one particular time or grade 40 may not alone boost the player's stock or justify pick. But if you're taking some of these athletic scores and stats and data points in totality in terms of what their profile says, I think there's a lot of value and increasing value in that. All right. Uh, they're going to obviously they're going to be several guys from a measurable standpoint, especially on a defensive line or edge that are going to have a lot of conversation about them. Uh, this week in uh, Indianapolis and and that Northwestern kid that at uh, at a, a boar. Uh, uh, an undersized kid, but man, he, I mean, even if you line him up in, you know, kind of three tech and all that, that guy wins, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think longer arm, uh, uh, a unique build to him overall. Cause from us, from a, from a height and weight standpoint, probably not someone that if you just looking at him from a measurable standpoint, you, you know, you, you know, you'd say, ah, I don't know about him, but man, the, the tape speaks very, very loud as does the, I mean, specifically some of the things that he did down there in mobile, uh, at, at, at the uh, senior bowl there. And then another one is that Kalijah can't see out of pit, you know, right. uh, you're going to hear the name, you know, uh, can he be the next Aaron Donald, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, aspect of it and obviously that's quite somebody to have to be compared to but it's going to happen for for a lot of obvious reasons i think yeah there's probably nobody more happy about aaron donald's tremendous nfl success than kalijah Kansi because he's going to sit there and tell every team that tells him he's too small he's too light he doesn't have the fit and say well we talked about that with a pit guy a decade ago and he turned out pretty good now no one thinks that kalijah Kansi is going to be the next aaron donald but it's a good um, so it's a good reference and data point for him personally. Now, for Pittsburgh, is he really going to be that fit? I can't see it, but you know, he still could could be that first round guy in a defensive line class that we just talked about not being as strong. And if you want, as the NFL has gone towards upfield penetrators and one gap schemes and athleticism to take on these mobile quarterbacks, you know, Canty's going to have I think people that will be in his corner. There's going to be quite a bit of conversation about that uh, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa because of, you know, technically, I guess, wasn't a starter uh, overall there, but still, you know, uh, uh, he's kind of he's a bit of a tweener as well, too, I think. 
uh, overall. Uh, and there's going to be talk, obviously, about guys like Skronsky, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, because of his size, is he a better fit at, you know, do you draft him and let him at least compete at tackle before you decide, you know, whether or not you want to kick him in? There's going to be a lot of tackles. I think that, that there's going to be talk about is, is this guy a tackle or a guard at the, at the next level? Sure. And Skronsky's at the head of the class there in terms of uh, one of the, you know, probably the best college football offensive tackle the last couple of years, but some people will look at the measurables and like his size and maybe length, and we'll see exactly what he weighs in at, and, and they may project him inside, and that could potentially hurt his his draft stock a bit. I think about the offense, trying to, who's going to separate themselves at tight end? It's a really strong tight end class, but is there that clear-cut number one guy that's consensus? No. So can somebody do that? Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, not necessarily big Focus points for Pittsburgh, but just talking about the combine more broadly. Receiver, no clear cut consensus number one receiver. Can a Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, somebody separate themselves from the others? Quarterback as well. Ton of you know intrigue and uh, discussion about the top quarterback in this class. What does Bryce Young weigh in at? You got uh, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Most of those guys will be throwing at the combine to see those guys kind of really get that clear one-to-one comparison in the same environment, the same throws, that'll be really interesting. Richardson's probably going to wow with the big arm talent that he has. So just trying to see what some of those guys can do to separate themselves at the top at positions where there is not currently a clear consensus for who the best player at that spot is. I'll be watching for that. All right. All right. So yeah, I'll be covering the combine. I like that it's later this year too. It's not 9 a.m. I like it's it's 1 p.m., 3 p.m. So those are those are times to work with my schedule better, but we'll be there to cover that. We'll have our spreadsheet. That'll be posted on the site, I guess, and shared around so people mm-hmm. can kind of follow along with the testing and the weigh-ins and, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I used to I, I don't know. I, I I'd much rather have it first thing in the morning <laughs> like like the old <laughs> days. Uh no, thank you. I, I know you weren't a big fan of that, but I, I didn't mind getting up at uh well, I don't know. I can't remember. Like 6 a.m. probably for you. Yeah, 5 to start. Six, yeah, uh, to, to start off. But uh, anyway, uh, on to the combine we go. Good job on this walk the muck draft. And uh, we continue to have uh, a lot of uh, draft profiles go up on the site daily. All right, where should we move to now an hour into this? Uh, Cam Sutton. You've talked a lot about Cam Sutton, wrote about him quite a bit over the weekend. And I know we've talked about his value a lot, so I don't want to... De- the debate what he's going to get, but you had a good article about what he could get based on what different opinions of him are. So you had an article that said three contract proposals that make sense for Cam Sutton based on wherever his market may be, the low end, the middle end, or the high end kind of walk us through that day. Yeah, look, and uh, you know how meticulous I get with these things too. I use a lot of historical stuff and cash flow and percentages, the way the Steelers do, you know, obviously people are saying, well, well, with, with Omar Khan now in charge, might they do something different from a, from a contract standpoint? I think at its core, probably not. You know, I think uh, the way they do contracts is, 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 you know, if there's anything that's going to carry over from from the Colbert re- regime to the uh, con regime, I think a lot of it's going to, you know, I, I think the contract aspect, I, I don't see a lot changing there. Uh, the big question, first and foremost, is uh, would you agree that we're more than like more than likely to see a three year deal with Cameron Sutton versus a four or a five year deal? Sure. Three years sounds about right. 
Uh, and by the way, today is Cameron Sutton's 28th birthday. So uh, if uh, if he signed a three-year deal, he would uh, uh, potentially get a uh, one last bite of a free agent apple right after turning 30. Uh, uh, you know, after uh, I guess that'd be what 2026 at that point there. But uh, because I mean, the, you know, I you know, it really depends on who you ask, Steeler fan wise. You know, some people think he's worth 13, around 13 million or so. Uh, I've seen people say, man, I there's no way I'd get you know, he he, there's no way he's worth more than eight million, and then. You know, I kind of split the difference on that at, at, at ten and a half million. So the three contracts that I laid out uh, all match cash flow principles, uh, signing bonus principles, second year roster bonus principles. Uh, you know, all, all of these are in, similar in in aspects of percentages and and the way that goes. All three of these. Our three years, three year deals. I did a thirteen million dollar one that totals out at thirty nine million. I did one at ten and a half million that totals out at thirty one and a half million, and I did one at eight million that totals out at twenty four million. Uh, I mean, they're pretty. They're, they're they're pretty black and white, Alex. Uh, uh, I really think to 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 kind of entice him and look uh, the guaranteed money. We you know is something that we'll have to watch along with this. Would you be surprised if they did the first two two years of uh, of a deal fully guaranteed? Yeah, I would. As you mentioned, that's still more reserved for the upper echelon type guys and Cam Sutton. Not quite there. Uh, I'm with you as well, too. Uh, I would be surprised if they did the first two years of this thing fully guaranteed. However, comma, what do you think about, you know, uh, uh, a 2024 roster bonus in any one of these three deals. And, you know, would they guarantee any of that? I think that's the biggest question I have when I come to guarantees is would they, because he is not the TJ Watt or the, or, 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 or the Minka Fitzpatrick, would they be more apt to just not guarantee anything in the second year, but, at least put it in there that for, you know, I, a, I think Cameron Sutton's side would want to have a early March roster bonus in there that would kind of act as a, as an option uh, bonus, if you will, that mm-hmm. at least forces the Steelers hand to make the commitment five day within five, five days into the new league year, you know, and sure. also that puts, you know, more money in the player's pocket and, uh, you know, at an earlier portion of, of the off season there. So uh, for instance, if you're looking at a three year, $39 million deal, such a deal probably have a first year cash flow of base salary and, and signing bonus of around 14 and a half million. And then on top of it, a roster bonus of let's say $5 million in March of 2024. I mean, you're looking at Cameron Sutton earning by five days into the new league year in 2024. 19 and a half million, which is right at 50% of the total value of the $39 million contract. You know, uh, it it would make sense to do that. And, you know, I I have structured each of these to have roster bonuses in the second year, loosely thinking that they won't be fully guaranteed, but it also, it's a trigger, if you will, it gives the Steelers both an out and it gives Sutton, uh, Hey, you know, how, how much do you really like me? 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, is, I, did the core four steel is that was that set up similar with Chukumo core four? Is there, is there a roster bonus in there? Uh, no? Yes, there is. That's why they got, okay. uh, you know, I wrote about, uh, uh, or, uh, you know, several weeks ago about a core four and people saying, well, he's a guy that the Steelers could cut. Well, if they're going to cut him, he's got a $4 million roster bonus due on March 19th. Right. Four days into the new league year. And that is not, that was not fully guaranteed. That was just a standard roster bonus. Right. Not fully okay. guaranteed at all. So, uh, you know, if they were going to cut Chiquama off a core for this offseason or trade him or whatever, they would have to do it by March 19th. Right. And and I say that to say that a Cam Sutton deal, while Sutton's a better player than a core for, but the deal probably will be structured in a similar sense. Exactly. If you look kind of the, the, the cash flow and all, uh, in fact, that's one of the uh, core four and James Daniels uh, contracts were the were, were two that, you know, most recent that that are three years in length that you can kind of look at as far as signing bonus roster bonus first year cash flows, second year cash flow kind of thing. So, uh, I, I feel very, very confident that, you know, maybe not the exact amount, but, but from a structure standpoint of cash flow percentage, signing bonus, uh, uh, percentage roster bonus percent percentage in second year, uh, I think I'm all over it in here, and I would not be surprised if one of these three contracts ends up being a match or, or very, very close. Now, once again, you're thinking, man, you got quite a swing here uh, from $8 million uh, average yearly value to $13 million. Yeah, it is. And and that's, I mean, a lot of people are all over the board on this from from mm. their thoughts. Now, Joe, Joe, Joe Q fan is usually the guy that doesn't want anybody overpaid, you know, or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and, and really shoots uh, very, very low, but you know, you've also said that, you know, you're not as comfortable with Cam Sutton at, at, at 13 million per year. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I don't want to rehash it too much, but I would ideally like to get him in that middle range, that option number two of what was it? 10 and a half or 11 million. You projected it out to be, that would be ideal for me, you know, and again, I'll be watching that number, what it comes in at, very closely. Right. So uh, anyway, I gave uh, I gave the readers three options to look at. Uh, I think my structure on all three of these is, is right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I think the structure is going to be almost exactly correct. Uh, the only question is, is what's, you know, what structure, what what average yearly value are you structuring around? You know, so uh, and obviously these are easily easy to adjust. In other words, when the number comes in, I, I assuming it is a three year deal, I should be able to drill it down pretty pretty close to what the actual is uh, mm. before it's reported. Yeah, so good job there to create. That. I always like when you do, do those projections because it just kind of really visually help spells it out for me and helps me understand the numbers and digest the structure some more. So. I always like when you do those, and it looks like the readers actually really enjoyed that too. It was a really popular post on the site uh, yesterday and today. And look, thirty-nine, three years, thirty-nine million at thirteen million per produces a uh, two thousand twenty-three cap charge of six and a half. I mean, you can certainly work with that. Oh yeah, easily for sure. So good job on that. And again, we'll uh, we'll be watching Cam Sutton closely. All right, uh, and let's see. Here we are on. Let's see, would be what two weeks from. Wednesday, right? Yeah, the first the start is, of the new league year. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, so this thing will move along pretty, pretty quick here. Probably not going to see anything happen with Cameron Sutton until they get out of the combine, though, right? Yeah, combine time is when Pittsburgh starts their agent discussions. Again, that is football mecca. Everybody from the whole NFL world, teams and scouts and agents and players and all that, you know, they're all in one place. And so that's when those discussions will really heat up right now. It's probably been pretty quiet with all the pending free agents. All right. We don't have any new word on uh, exclusive, the other exclusive rights guy and Jameer Jones. I would think that something with that's going to happen within the next, you know, several days. And we don't know about the, uh, uh, the restricted free agents about any tenders there. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find something by the time the combine lets out about, uh, you know, which of those restricted free agents have been tendered. Right. So we'll keep you posted there. Like I said, been really quiet so far. It should be picking up here sooner than later. All right, Dave, I think that kind of covers the main things. Do you want to mention Heinz Ward getting his first mm. win as the XFL head coach of the San Antonio? How do you say it? Brahmas? Brahmas? Yeah. I always want to say Brahmas and put an extra A in there, but I guess it's just Brahmas. Uh, so they beat the Orlando Guardians in pretty convincing fashion. Nice ice bath there for Heinz Ward to celebrate the victory. So that's cool. And uh, also want to direct you guys on the site Steelers Depot to an interview that uh, our Scott Brown, who's now a member of Steelers Depot, will mostly be working in a back end type role, editor type role, but we'll have the occasional interview and um, content for us. He caught up with uh, former Steelers defensive end Aaron Smith with a great interview to talk about what Aaron Smith is doing these days and reminisce a bit on his playing days and talk about some Joey Porter Jr. as well. So be sure to check out that great interview that Scott Brown did with Aaron Smith. So glad to have Scott Brown part of Steeders Depot. You know, I've been an, been kind of acquaintance of Scott through the internet and all well over the years. Uh, uh, you know, back when he covered the beat for both the Trib and ESPN, I thought he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really, I got a lot of respect for uh, for Scott Brown and uh, the fact that we were able to to bring him on full time on the site. Uh, he's going to be in more of an editor role, but I think occasionally you will see maybe some interviews because he's got a lot of connections obviously from his days covering the beat there uh boy he came out of came came out came out of the uh uh locker room firing on all cylinders <laughs> there with uh, one on Aaron Smith there so uh once again so happy to have Scott Brown uh on the staff now uh in the role that he's in absolutely so be sure to check out that article and welcome scott to the team all right dave I think it kind of wraps up everything we wanted to discuss today again Omar Khan Speaking on Tuesday, and so we'll cover that for Wednesday. Let's get through some rude emails and close out today's show. I got one from Simon Short here. It says, Dave and Alex, first off, I want to say I'm 100% with you guys on the draft needs this year. Build through the trenches first with offensive and defensive line. He says, that's my preference, preference and what I think is most likely to happen. However, to listen to Uncle Dave, I think... Of, of my own biases, I had this question. He says, with the Steelers being so far behind other AFC teams in terms of putting up points, could they look to add even more skill guys to the draft early? A wide receiver in the first two picks, maybe one of these tight ends as well. He says, I like uh, Darnell Washington from Georgia because he could help in the run game and maybe develop into a passing weapon. He says, giving Kenny multiple weapons early could help this team score. Again, just trying Trying to think of all the angles in my preference, uh, if my preference is trench. Look, Simon, I you know, uh, 
you saw what Alex had to go through in, <laughs> in, in this walk the mock draft. Uh, I, I do really think at the core, their preference is going to be in, in the trenches there. Uh, but I mean, can you totally discount the I, you know, the possibility of them going wide receiver uh, or, or some sort of skill position offensive guy uh, with within their first two picks? I mean, in this, can you slam se- dunk say it's not going to happen? I don't want to slam dunk anything. And second round, I think obviously the later you go into a draft, the more things open up and free agency will dictate all that kind of stuff. First round, I just struggle with the receiver because I don't know the who and I don't know the why enough. Now, of course, I just took Jordan Addison and I understand both of those things. I don't know if I would personally love it enough to to do that. Um, what I what I think the mock showed is although we're in agreement, trenches would be a good way to start. It may not break that way. And if if a corner does fall, a Joey Porter Jr., somebody does slip a bit, then that may change the approach. For Pittsburgh, even even some of the off ball guys. I mean, a Drew Sanders at 17. Can we totally discount Drew Sanders right now? I don't think I want to do that if we, as we sit here today. So um, it's just more to the broader point. While D line, O line may be one of the focuses, it may not be the actual direction based on how the board looks. I tell you this: if it is a wide receiver at 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 at, at one seventeen, if it's anybody other than Jordan Addison, there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of I mean, and and even that's going to cause you know it's going to be yeah I love it or I hate it you know, but uh, obviously if it's a wide receiver and it's not Jordan Addison, there's going to be a riot. <laughs> yeah, and it does feel like if it is going to be a receiver, who else would it be other than Jordan Addison? Right. What other name makes sense? I mean, I think it, it would almost have to be him. Right. Uh, so it, it does feel like if they did go that route in round one, it would be Jordan Addison or, 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 or nothing there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Simon, look, th- this is a process, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully you enjoyed the kind of the breakdown of, of, of Alex's mock draft. And there are going to be plenty of discussions along the lines of what Simon just asked as we go along here. Uh, Ethan Warner writes in. Hey, Dave and Alex, I know we're all traumatized after the Oladokun pick last year, but would either of you be hesitant to take Max Duggan or Dorian Thompson Robinson if they are still on the board with our last pick? He says, I believe they could be a solid long-term backup or add decent trade value for the future. Let's go to the guy who got his who got most <laughs> okay. upset most of all about the Oladokun pick uh, last year, and he called it. He, he, you know, he pointed to the fence and said, this is going to happen. And it happened and he didn't like it. Uh, where are you on this team taking a seventh round quarterback this year, Alex? Oh, I don't think it'll surprise anybody to know that I don't love the idea. I do think I will say this. There are at least if you took a guy in the seventh this year, he would have he would get reps in training camp. He would be part of this. Let's assume that Trubisky stays just for a moment or insert veteran backup quarterback here as your number two. Pickett as your one. Rudolph is gone. You got a number three spot that's open. It's going to at least lend itself to some reps, some opportunity, a chance to really truly on field evaluate this guy, both in practice and in stadium. So it would not be as frustrating as it was last year. Um, but I still personally have never been a fan of taking the day three quarterback. The hit rate is so low. Trying to develop that guy means you're probably going through growing pains as they're playing early. I don't want Brock Purdy to break everyone's brain and say, well, Purdy did it. So our guy can do it too. That's the exception not the rule. So not in favor of it, 
but I don't think it would be as egregious assuming that seventh round guy, you know, Duggan, whoever um, is that number three, that's going to get actual reps and a chance to play. Yeah. I'd much rather just go the undrafted route. You know, there's going to be a handful of them that, that you can bring into, you know, let's say you only had two signed or whatnot, you know, I mean, obviously Pickett and whoever else uh, uh, the main backup would be right now. It looks like that guy's going to be Trubisky, but we'll see how that plays out. But if you're going to add a three, I would bring in maybe somebody off the street with a little bit, you know, that that's, that's been a number three or number two uh, for, 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 for a minimum contract. And then on top of it, I, I would have uh, another undrafted guy. I think. I really want to see if Pittsburgh changes their undrafted free agent money strategy. Is it just signing bonus pool or will they partially guarantee base salaries? That's, I know no one else, like you and I might be the only two that care about that thing, but I really want to see if Pittsburgh changes course in the post-COVID era. I don't know how, you know, obviously Omar Khan's, you know, that, that time's going to go quick up there on the podium on Tuesday. Maybe, maybe that's a question. Uh, <laughs> he would never answer that. Yeah. I think. Uh, but but do, you think, do you think it changes? No. <laughs> no? No. Why wouldn't Pittsburgh change? Are they not? I mean, they just saw the value of Jalen Warren, who I get wasn't, it was just signing bonus, but like this team's built on undrafted for agents. Sure. I mean, we've had this conversation time yeah, and time out. I mean, I, I you, you're not going to, ha- you don't have to twist my arm here. You know, right. you just asked me, do I think it's going to change? I don't think it is. Okay. Is, is there any reason just because Khan was the guy before? Yeah, because contracts? he's the one doing the guy, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they obviously could spend more than what they're doing now and, and, and guarantee some of this stuff, but I, I just don't think they will. We'll see. Yeah. I'll be watching for it for sure. All right. LM writes in, do players do an official weigh in on an annual basis? He says, mainly curious what Leal, Leal flat out will weigh in at training camp, which could tell the direction rather than speculate. Yeah. Look, you can't count on the team college or pro to give you accurate measurements. Uh, the only way around this would be to flat out ask him or hope he post some sort of picture like some of these guys do occasionally about him weighing in. Uh, I'm sure they do weigh in uh, quite regularly, but as far as uh the team getting that official number and putting that official number out, who's official and who's not, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, I'm sure it changes a bit, different teams, different players, different situations. But yeah, I think they have you know almost a, a weekly weigh-in. But again, it may just depend on if there's a guy really trying to fight his weight or a real big emphasis to probably get more weigh-ins, maybe some veteran guys less. But yeah, uh, I'm sure Pittsburgh to some degree does weigh-ins. Uh, let's see here. I think we've got, uh, I think we've got all of them knocked out. I think we're running into questions from last show that we already answered there. So thank you for everybody who, uh, send in their questions as always. If you want your question answered on a future episode of the terrible podcast, send it to the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Let's see. We will be back on Wednesday reviewing what all Omar Khan had to say on Tuesday at the combine. So that'll be quite interesting there. Who knows what will be, uh, what are, what other news? This has been a slow news, uh, couple of weeks here a lot slow probably mm-hmm. the slowest that we've seen when it comes to the Steelers as far as really outright you know transactions news all that kind of stuff so hopefully maybe we'll have a little bit more news to talk about on Wednesday's show 
I hope so. Yeah, it's been as quiet as it's been in as long as I can, like maybe since COVID started when there was just nothing happening because everything was shut down. So it's been really quiet. It, it will pick up here soon, but you know, we'll, we'll just see how soon that is. All right. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow. Make sure you get by if you if you missed the walk the mock uh, draft. That's up on SteedersDepot.com, the full uh, archive video of that. And, and make sure you get by and, and check that out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, uh, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. Once again, we will have Joe Clark and Jonathan High Tritter in Indianapolis. So make sure you follow both those guys on Twitter as well, too. So until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.